0: Thanks so much for tuning in to Seek Up, the yoga inspiration show. This episode is an in-depth discussion of yoga and entrepreneurship with Holly Fisk. She is the founder of Waha Yoga. And a yoga teacher and movement teacher, a handstand master, the author of multiple books, Holly shares her passion for motherhood, adventures, and movement with her Instagram audience and all of her students. You can find Holly this month on omestars.com, teaching a special handstand clinic and also a weekly vinyasa class. So come practice. If you are not yet an Omstars member, you can use the code podcast, P-O-D-C-A-S-T, to join. We look forward to seeing you on the mat. Hi, Holly. Thanks so much for coming on Seek Up, the yoga inspiration show. It's a pleasure for me to be here with you.
1: It's an honor. Thank you for having me.
0: So your Instagram is very inspiring. Oh, uh, you, thank you. Your handle upside down mama, I think, has so many different <laughs> aspects of it which are really inspiring, which is, you know, you're a mom, you're also insanely beautiful and strong. Oh, I it. <laughs> and, <laughs> and everybody who follows you should also know that you started your own clothing mm-hmm. line. So would you kind of tell me the story of how that happened? Like, how did you turn being this, you know, rock star, super mom, upside down on your hands to being, (laughs) you know, a rock star, super mom, entrepreneur, pioneer in the yoga space?
1: Absolutely. Yeah. It, um, it, it wasn't the plan. You know, I, I originally went to college for journalism and I thought, Forever, like as a child with my doll lined up against the wall and my brush as a microphone, that I was going to be a sports anchor reporter. And that was always the plan. There was never a different one. Um, and I got out of college, I pursued that path. I got into marketing and PR. I worked for magazines and radio, and then eventually for um, a sports company doing all their PR in, on Maui. Um, and then uh, there was the economic depression of 2008. And I lost my job and it just checked me. I'd been on this like very determined path for a very long time and just climbing that traditional ladder in a career field. And it just checked me. I stopped. I started working on an organic farm on Maui and I just took it as an opportunity to reassess what I was doing with my life and where I wanted to go. And in that same amount of time, I met my husband um, and we had a couple kids. And then I became mom. (laughs) And, and that's, that's actually when I found yoga. So yoga came first and, um, I was doing a a triathlon after, uh, when my first kid was six months old, trying to get my like body back in shape. Wow. Like that's just,
0: I mean, that's incredible right there, (laughs)
1: Thanks, (laughs) but I was a little beat up from it to be honest. And I remember, um, I remember driving home from the triathlon and I was going through Paia, which is on the North shore of Maui and, uh, passing our, just our, the oldest yoga studio that's ever been there. And I I told my then husband to pull over and let me out. And I like hobbled up the steps and I was just going to grab a flyer and just check it out and walk away. But the owner was sitting out on the lanai on the patio and she started asking me questions and I was like, well, I don't know if it's for me. I like extreme stuff. I like extreme sports. I don't know if like yoga is for me, which it's so funny when I hear that. Cause I still hear that to the, to this day as a teacher. So I always am like, ha, huh, okay, well, so I, I was like, I do it. What can I wear? Do I wear like, can I wear what I'm wearing? Can I wear jean shorts? What do I wear? I had no idea. Um, and she's like, just come to my 9am class tomorrow. Um, just, just show up. You can wear whatever you want. And I showed up at her 9 AM class and she like, she had, she did crow as one of the postures on my first yoga class ever. And I was just like, what is this thing? What (laughs) is this stuff? This is incredible. And it was just, I never stopped since. Then I just did it. I had another kid. After I had my second kid is when um, randomly looking up YouTube classes to do at home with my babies, I came across Brioni's um, famous underwear video that she did, and she was just a superhuman. And I was just like, what is this? I have to do that. Um, And then the whole handstand thing just took off from there. I had not been on social media. I got on to share photos of my kids with family. Um, Then I started posting yoga stuff and I discovered this whole world, which was kind of a blessing in disguise because I was a stay-at-home mom with two kids and my husband was always gone working. So it created um, motivation, inspiration, um, camaraderie. I started getting into challenges with people and then eventually hosting challenges. It was this like beautiful, authentic thing. And we were very inspired by one another. It created socialization for me as like a young mom that was, um, you know, just with babies a lot. And it just took off from there, you know, how it all began because you were there too. And companies started to sponsor you and send you gear, the more followers you got. And as you Mm -hmm. started to host challenges and then you'd have asked them to sponsor. Um, And I have this deep love for the wild, kind of how I grew up. My dad raised us like in the woods, off the grid, um, very Captain Fantastic style. I don't know if you've seen that show, but people always call me and they're like, did they make a movie on your life? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, and I was always in love with the wild. So I thought as I started to get sponsored, I would love to get sponsored by a, um, like a sustainable company or somebody, Mm -hmm. a company that was for the environment or a Mm -hmm. company that was like really outdoorsy or something. And, um, I'm not going to name any names, but I did get sponsored by one that I was really excited about because it had all those values. And then I went to do a photo shoot with them in LA um and I I would took like Nev, my my daughter with me. I was still nursing her at the time. We flew out there, did the photo shoot. Their their company was all about sustainability and um being eco. Mm-hmm. I stayed in the home with the owner and they didn't recycle. <laughs> it sounds so petty, but I was just like, oh my God, it's just a facade. Like mm. there are so many, and and from my marketing background and everything, I just realized, wow, it's and it seemed like such a um uh, conflict of interest with the yoga, right. Mm -hmm. And everything that yoga stands for. And then these companies, and I did some research, it's like, you know, probably over at this point, a $20 billion industry. Mm -hmm. It just, I just realized like how many companies were using, um, eco and ethical tactics for marketing, but didn't necessarily believe in them or, um, practice them. It was mm-hmm. more just for marketing to get people to buy their stuff mm-hmm. because they realized that people, especially that practice yoga cared about that yeah. consciousness and and cared where things came from, how they were made, who they were mm-hmm.
0: made by. Yeah. I think that's uh, something that's quite often referred to as greenwashing. Yes, you know, when when you then suddenly just present these quasi eco-conscious materials and, you know, throw on a recycling uh, logo and say, oh, this is sustainably sourced and Mm -hmm. you can just make all of these things. And, you know, I um I I, I I remember those early days of Instagram where it felt like there was a community forming and there was this kind of, you know, wow, this is awesome. Mm-hmm. And then there was a moment when there was a very high level of kind of um, commodification of, yes. you know, genuine people who, as you said, found community and found mm-hmm. connection and found inspiration. And then suddenly the rise of the yoga influencer came. Yes. <laughs> and then these larger companies, I think, really got it. that were like, oh, if we put clothes on these people, then other people will buy them. Yes. Oh, if we uh, present ourselves as eco-conscious and say that, you know, our factories uh, are solar panel-fueled, uh, mm-hmm. then people will, you know, buy our clothes because they'll right. feel good about themselves and they won't think twice that it all comes mm-hmm. in, you know, like plastic wrap and they won't research. Right. They, won't, they won't do, you know, they it, will it, it takes a really conscious channel. consumer to do the research. Yeah. yeah. And it
1: and it's sad too, because um, I think that the consumer feels taken advantage of in that way too, mm-hmm. because how do you know what to believe? How do Definitely. you know to believe, how do you know to believe me, you know? Mm-hmm. So it, it really takes like doing like deep in-depth research and even having to be face to face. And I, and, yeah. and that's sad. Like we can't even trust, mm-hmm. we can't even trust what people say when they're like, putting things Mm -hmm. on their product that say sustainable and ethical and eco and all that stuff. We don't, reading isn't necessarily believing anymore. And I think that um, with that flooding of the influencer and then major companies coming in and taking advantage of that form of marketing, that even the people that um, joined and they were inspired by the leaders of that community, then they even felt taken advantage of and used Mm -hmm. um, Mm -hmm. because What you were rapping or shouting out wasn't necessarily something you stood behind, but you were getting free stuff. And then eventually you got paid. And so I think it's just like this complicated web of who do you trust? Mm -hmm. Um, And something beautiful that came from a place of authenticity, kind of being manipulated for for companies and and marketing and making money for Mm -hmm. profit.
0: Absolutely.
1: I came home from that trip. I was sitting on my porch with my friend. And in that, at that time being pretty self-righteous about it and just being like, (laughs) I can't believe this, like this and this and this. And she just checked me and she was just like, what are you going to do about it? I was like, what am I going to do about it? (laughs) And it was that day on the porch when I was like, you know what? I'm going to, I'm going to do it the way that I think that they should do it. Like, I can do this. I can do what they're doing. I'll just, but I can do it right and I can do it better. And it was crazy once I started doing the research. I mean, people will create plastic to immediately make it into a fiber, to (gasps) immediately resell it as a sustainable product.
0: Wow. That's crazy.
1: It's crazy. So, it's really important to, um, I think, like educate the consumer on. There was a point where we didn't understand what organic meant when it came to our food. Now, I think pretty much everybody understands what that means.
0: And there's certification if, bodies that go through and can certify that. And yes. now we even have different categories. We even have transitional. So if you're yes. a farm that's transitioning, you know, and we yes. have biodynamic and all these things are third party verified. Now.
1: Yeah. And there are parties that go and they um, give you certifications and they grade your facilities, what you're creating, the way that it's created, the factory, the way that the factory affects the environment, the way that the factory affects mm-hmm. the workers, the way that the Product that comes from that factory affects the consumer eventually. So it's my hope that through all of this, I can be successful, have a positive impact, and then continue to help educate consumers so that they aren't being taken advan- advantage of anymore. Because I felt like I had been taken advantage of in that sense. Mm-hmm. Um, and then just to witness on Instagram the different things, you know, um, people craved wanting to become an imba- ambassador for these companies. And so companies would lure them in and be like, we want you to be an, an ambassador for us. Mm -hmm. You just have to buy all of this for this discounted price. And you're an ambassador for us and you can shout us out and you can give us, give out your code and blah, blah, blah. And so I don't know, I felt like just being one of those people that started from very humble beginnings and, and natural and very authentically grew. And then also saw and was kind of like shocked by some of the marketing that was happening. Um, It just became very important to me to do it, to do it right. And to, and to, I don't know, stand up for the, not the little guy, but you know, the people behind the scenes that are Mm -hmm. believing and trusting the leaders in that community. Yeah. So there's, there's some things that there's some things I'd love to dive into a little bit more. mm -hmm. Um, First of all, I'm still kind
0: of flabbergasted that someone, that a company would create a plastic (laughs) just to recycle it and then call it a sustainable fabric. So that's just, I'm going to have to sit with that one a little bit. Mm -hmm. Um, And then I'm wondering if you... can speak to the difference between say a fabric that's made with post-consumer recycled plastics like, mm-hmm. like an actual plastic bottle that someone has mm-hmm. used and put in the recycle bin and then that's gone and then that gets converted into yeah. a fabric versus uh, the strain on the environment of a brand new piece of material that needs to get constructed mm-hmm. from nothing and then what what impact that has on the environment and also what impact that has on you know just the, the supply chain, the earth, yeah. and the consumers.
1: Yeah. And I don't think it's that one is necessarily better than the other and it really, really depends. But I, th- I find, and this is why I will only use fibers that are blue science certified, that there are organizations that care and they have those. So blue Sign certified, that's the one that I make sure that my fibers come from, make sure that, um, it has, you have to qualify to have, um, a certain amount of, of care for the environment, care for the consumer, and care for the workers. And so, for that, that's like, those are the three things that I really care about. Like, how from fiber, from the beginning, because you could just be like, this is organic cotton, but I wanna know, like, how it came to be, all the things. I wanna know who was working to create mm-hmm. that, take it out of the field, and then process it to a fiber, make it into a fabric, because that tunnel is deep. And, and Absolutely. you know. And if you don't have to see the way things are done, it doesn't affect you. And so that's the problem is not seeing the way things are done because it's affecting somebody. It's Mm -hmm. affecting somebody. It's the workers or the environment or whatever. So for me, the blue sign certified was really important because those people are the ones that will go in and they'll check out the the way that it's made from start to finish and grade it on, on mostly those core ethics. And I think that, as far as um, as far as using post-consumer materials or a new a new material that's debatable and it has been debated which is better um, sometimes it takes less strain to just create a new synthetic material than to process uh, post-consumer and create it into a material um, but the way that I though I use a um, 70%, converted post-consumer poly and and then into a new fiber. So I use recycled materials for a lot of my stuff. But the way that I look at it is plastic really, really gets to me. (laughs) You know, it really gets to me. It really gets to me the effects it's had on the ocean, on wildlife. And then when I'm hiking deep in the wilderness and I see it out there, I'm just like, are you serious? Even out here? So for me, it's my brainwave of Here's something that I've seen affect the places that I live. And so you can't like fight every single battle, Mm -hmm. but this is, this one's important to me. Like, what are we going to do with, what are we going to do with all that plastic? We can't get rid of it. It's on this planet. Mm -hmm. And so, Mm -hmm. so for me, it's doing something with that particular problem. It's not the only problem, but it was just kind of like pick and choose your battles. You can't save, you can't save everything or everybody. Everybody's got a different mission. And for mine, I had to kind of like narrow it down and be like, well, the wild, I really, really care about the wild. Um, And I really have a problem with plastic. Mm -hmm. So for me, it was more like, I want to be, try to find a solution or some sort of a positive change for that particular thing. I'd still play with other stuff and I'll do research like tensile was, was a really, um, was a really sustainable fiber that was out there. I tried to play with a little bit. I tried to make a pant out of it. It was almost a zero, um, like a closed circuit operation where it didn't have any negative effects. They're very small negative effects. Very little went back into the environment. But you have to like pick and choose. And I molded together my love of the wild, my hate of plastic. (laughs) (laughs) And then my love of just being active in yoga. So as you know, like- If you have, um, active wear, you have to make it compatible with the things that you love. Um, and so that was another reason that, that poly material is, is your active wear material generally Mm -hmm. speaking and works the best for that. And I always try to make things, um, um, uh, with dual, a dual purpose of being for land and water, you know, Mm -hmm. so my leggings can be in the land of water, the shorts, the crops, they're all land of water. You could surf in them, then you could go to class in them or whatever, So for me, it's also the type of material I need to do the activities that I'm making it for. So functionality. Um, yeah. And then just that love of the wild and just trying to kind of like narrow down what's your mission because yeah, you can't like, you can't do it all, but if you took one thing and you really just tried to do something with that, maybe, maybe you could make a change in that thing. And then somebody else will take that they'll get their mission it might be a totally mm-hmm. different area but then maybe they'll conquer that and we can all just like together like conquer all these little missions that would make this world a better place
0: oh absolutely and you know there there are so many so many different things that i hear sometimes from people that have found creative and innovative ways to uh, contribute to sustainability in one form or another or contribute to making the world a better place in one form you know mm-hmm. or another so i think that you know, it can be a little overwhelming for some people who have who just rely on, you know, single use plastics to think about mm-hmm. what can I do to yeah. get to, to you know, to end this or to how am I contributing to this? And, mm-hmm. you know, when I when I travel, I'm definitely uh, someone who will go. And if I want to buy an orange juice, I buy an orange juice mm-hmm. inside the airport. And I do think about that. I carry the plastic Bottle and I put it in the recycle bin. And then, but then there's this question of like, okay, is there a better way? Is there a better way? Right. And there's two things that I think are interesting, which is first, maybe three things. So first, which is that anybody who's listening is a consumer, which means Mm -hmm. you can vote with your dollars every day. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So that means that when we're looking around and we're like, okay, I want to, I need a new pair of leggings. Should I get from here? Or should I get from there? Mm-hmm. And then there's all these questions of, well, maybe these are cute, but what's the company doing? Mm-hmm. And who am I supporting? Where do these dollars go? You know, am yes. I supporting a small business, you know, a mom with two kids? Or am I supporting, you yes. know, the multi-billion dollar corporation that's doing who knows what and is part of a, you know, mm-hmm. multinational yeah. conglomerate. And so what do I want to do? Yes. And if, and so that's a question. And that's not only with clothes, I feel that's also with food. Mm -hmm. You know, and it's with books and products and things just to think about, you know, what is this company? And of course we all do it. Like we all buy things on Amazon and, you know, they arrive in packages and, you know, so it's not, we're never going to be perfect, but just so you can plant the seed of conscious consumerism. So that's one thing.
1: Yeah, I'm not perfect either. Let's just make that clear. I'm a work in progress as well. (laughs)
0: And then the second thing that I hear, which is really interesting, are scientific innovations Mm -hmm. that come up. So there's a company called Smart Plastic. And Mm -hmm. a lot of people don't know about this, but their kind of mission is to kind of solve the plastic problem. And they've taken the perspective of people are going to keep using single-use plastic. So we have to make plastics biodegradable. Mm -hmm. And they've scientifically found a way to make plastics biodegradable within 12 to 24 months in any environment, if they're Mm -hmm. made in the specific way that scientifically they've created to do that. And then they're, they turn into zero microplastics within 12 to 24 months. It's like a revolution, but nobody knows about them. And there's like some small scientists out there, you know, like Mm -hmm. working, you know, in the brain trust to try to save the planet, you know, it's it's kind of cool in
1: that way. That's very cool. And I, and I hope that people will like get behind things like that so that it gets more attention because I think that there is kind of a conflict of interest with those huger companies that are making so much money off of their quick, cheap, easy plastic products. So Mm -hmm. they'll always kind of try to hide that and overshadow, overshadow that because if you, if that gained momentum, then they're all of their money is gone, Mm -hmm. you know? My
0: my husband was telling me the story about plastics and he said that he, and I, I, you know, he just told me this, so I haven't like verified it or researched it, but Mm -hmm. he actually said that plastics in the history of plastics is kind of another kind of corporate controversy that's Mm -hmm. out there. So apparently when single use plastics started to be in use, There was a big backlash, particularly in the United States, because it was dirtying nature Mm -hmm. and people started to protest and say, let's get rid of these plastics like we can't use this. Let's go back to glass and I'll just bring my my glass object and, you know, get the glass milk delivery. I don't want these single use things They're They're creating garbage everywhere. So and yeah. then, then the corporations that were had invested all of this money in, you know, packaging and plastic packaging, they were not keen to change. So they created right. a different public relations scheme, yes. which was let's throw our trash away. Mm-hmm. Let's clean up the world. So then mm-hmm. it pivoted away from let's let's, you know, eliminate the source of the trash to let's yep. let's all. But be good citizens and put our trash in trash cans. And so then trash cans became more ubiquitous than, than they were before. Mm-hmm. And, and so that's, that's kind of mind blowing when we think and about it.
1: Therein lies the problem. And that is the entire thing that consumers are being fooled, marketed to with incredibly smart tactics and nobody knows what to believe or who to trust. But that would bring me back to what you said about the smaller you can go, no matter what you're buying, the better. If you know who stitched it, who made it, where it came from, and they know where their you know, uh, materials came from, like the more that you can know and the smaller you can go, then the better it is. So even since um, it was just an online shop for me, but since this last year during COVID, I opened the physical boutique and then I started sourcing from new vendors. So it's not just my brand, but it's other vendors. And I wanted to know exactly where it came from. So I carry wild crafted body um, care in there is one of the things, but I can go to that person's farm. She's a mom and I can see all of the plants that she grows and I can walk into her studio where she creates the wildcrafted body care. And I just, and so everything that I put in my store has a story like that. And if we all just went out, whether you're the boutique that's filling up your shop or you're the consumer that's looking for a gift with that in mind, that the smaller it is, if you know who made it, where it came from, what it is, where it was grown, etc., like then, oh my gosh, if we all made those choices, then we would clean up a lot of things for the wild. We would get rid of a lot of corrupt corporations that are totally taking advantage of consumers and they rich just get richer. And then the small that are hand crafting and making your goods with love and care and like making them so they're not going to be a negative effect on you as a consumer, then they would grow and be more sustainable. So I think just for, for consumers in general, the smaller you can go to know exactly where your things came from and who made them, then that is how you're going to support the people that you truly want to support and, if, and vice versa. Because if we all start to think about things like that, um, then you'll be supported back in your own endeavors. You know, I think about that when I go places now, like I want people to come in, see what I'm doing, why I'm doing it and support that. And mm-hmm. so then when I go out into the world, I think about that and I'm like, I'm going to support that shop and I'm going to support that person because I know how hard they're working and trying and fighting and how it's more expensive to do things that way, to create mm-hmm. things that way, to give to the consumer, et cetera. So I, it would have a domino effect if we could get there. And I think that we will. Someday. Little by
0: little. Yeah. Little by little. So do you ever meet someone who, when you talk about sustainability, just says like, I'm so burned out. I can't, like, I don't have time to think about this. Yes. I'm barely surviving. I'm living oh, yeah. hand to mouth. Like I can't afford to mm-hmm. buy more expensive clothes. I just, you know, I, this is, I just go to Target and buy whatever's in Target.
1: Absolutely. I don't anything really
0: against Target, but this, this should right. be said. I don't know send me a message. Why are you a Target hater? I'm not a Target hater. Just an <laughs> example.
1: We love Target. It's the best. Yes, yes, all the time. I And that is one reason why I don't do any wholesale yet is because I get that it's so expensive to make things that way that you have to charge more for them. And in that way you isolate how many people actually have access to that type of a product. Um, So yeah, I try to cut down my prices by not marking them up to the point that I could do wholesale with other companies. But I think about that I do. And it, and it's just too bad really. Like I don't know what to do at this point about having a product where I had to pay this much to have it made to get it to, to be accessible to everybody not just a certain demographic that can afford it. Um, and I do hear that. And I think that it's an issue. It's, it's an unsolved debacle of the Mm -hmm. scene. Um, I don't really know what the answer is yet, but, and I, I, I'm really lucky to get to just offer it via my avenues. You know, not everybody, some people want to make their, their sustainable stuff. They love the wild. They are really good at what they do. I didn't even go to school to be in the fashion industry. It's all been a learning process for me. Some people that was their, their passion from forever, but they don't have a platform to talk to. I'm really lucky. I get to speak directly to my consumers and I, they get to know me. They get to know who I am, what I'm doing, why. If they've been following me for a really long time, they've seen the entire process of like thought to company, of even before thought of me just being one of those yogis in in the rat race of social media, and they've seen me like kind of process everything as it comes up. And it's just it's a really unique and cool opportunity for me to be able to talk to consumers and and have them know exactly who's running this show. Mm-hmm. But for a lot of people, they don't have that. They have the passion to create and the passion to create something well, but they don't have a platform to speak from.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think, you know, what we're talking about here is privilege, right? Mm-hmm. So there, there's, there's people who, who, for, they might not fit into the mainstream mold. They may have a lot of passion, but not, mm-hmm. you know, have, be able to create beautiful images or be physically able yep. to inspire people on Instagram. And then they're there with their idea, and looking for maybe, you know, uh, a platform of some type to start from scratch. And it is, yeah. it is difficult. So, yeah. so that's, uh, I think it's useful to acknowledge, acknowledge, mm-hmm. you know, one's privilege, one's platform. I mean, me too. When I started Omstars, I feel like I also created Stars because I felt like the online yoga space was being dominated by, you know, corporations that mm-hmm. were placing, you know, the bottom line above everything else. And when I yes. spoke to these corporations about uh, you know, bringing on kind of like a, a yogi to their advisory board and mm-hmm. bringing, you know, some yoga kind of ethics and, 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 and um, like lineage based programming into what they were presenting. Uh, you know, I was just kind of laughed out of the room. And yeah. um, so, yeah. you know, I get it. I yeah. Really, people really don't like
1: it. to lose if they've, if they have a very successful corporation, that's making a lot of money They're they're not willing to sacrifice losing that to do ethical things most of the time not mm-hmm. every not everybody i mean i'm very impressed with patagonia and everything that they've mm-hmm. done with a mm-hmm. major corporation so it's not everybody but um yeah you hit you do hit a lot of resistance there for change when it comes to really large corporations mm-hmm. they would have to restructure everything mm-hmm. so and 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 then I,
0: restructuring everything ties into unconscious bias and yes. you know uh, systems of power that are often deeply entrenched and mm-hmm. benefiting you know a top privileged few. Yeah. So if we're gonna ask you know a company to de to deconstruct that to unlearn that, then that's going to be so challenging for yeah. all the people that are benefiting from that. So it does it does you know this is a, a, a question. A-
1: Mm -hmm. It's a deep, it's a deep issue around privilege. And then even who has, like we were talking about a little bit ago, the, who has, um, who's access, who is it accessible to, Mm -hmm. you know? because products that are made in that way, they cost more. So there's a lot of people that can't afford to support you, even if they mm-hmm. would want to. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it, it runs deep to that. I would say the best thing that you could do is not even buy from me, but would be to reuse things and go and reuse clothing and use clothing and stores, et cetera, is the best way to really attack, um, that environment, that environmental issue, sustainable issue. And then also, uh, in an affordable, very accessible way. So it doesn't have to be, um, well, we won't name any names. It doesn't have to be some cheaper product mm-hmm. or cheaper mm-hmm. store. It could just be cycling things through. I really
0: like that. I kind of feel like there's an idea here, you yeah. know, um, about, uh, people that maybe have these really expensive clothes and then are, you know, maybe their size changed or the fashion changed and what do they do with them? You know, they keep this in the closet forever. I, I, I actually give my old clothes away, but I have them to the, to our community here in Miami. And so that is a, a really good way that I, you know, Care pay forward, but yes. I'm, was, I was even like, what popped up into my mind is gosh, imagine if there was, you know, a website or something like that where people could, you know, I mean, I guess eBay is kind of like the yeah. go to thing for that, but imagine it was just like, here's a bunch of really cool yoga clothes that people have worn just a few times that are gently Absolutely. loved and they're looking to get rid of them. So that's, uh, that's pretty cool. There's someone out there yes. that wants to create that, or maybe that'll be a new section under your shop page one day.
1: Maybe that's the next mission. <laughs> that
0: could be very, very cool. You know, I mean, OMSTARs and like classes and teaching, when we talk about uh, economic accessibility, you know, we're able to offer scholarships. We're able Mm -hmm. to offer, you know, free spots and classes. And one thing I love about online is you never feel like, ooh, the room holds 40 people. So we can only save, you know, this much for scholarships. And it's like online, we're like,
1: scholarships. Yes. (laughs) It's
0: just so awesome. And that's something... You know that 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 over the last uh, the last year and a half has been really really highlighted. So in some yeah. ways, in some ways, it's brought yoga into more more people's homes than it maybe had been in the past. So I yeah, a fan of that.
1: It's good to know that there was some silver linings <laughs> about the last year
0: and a half. <laughs> what well, sounds like you opened this physical store. So where can we yes. find this physical store? Is it called Wahi Yoga? And also tell me what yes. Wahi Yoga. Where did you get the name from? Okay,
1: all well. That. lot of people call it Wahi and you can call it Wahi. In my head, I always saw it as Wahai. Um, for, and it's for Washington, Hawaii, which are the two places that I live and love. And, um, and I hop back and forth quite often. And it's also to me represents just its own word, Wahai and mountain to sea, which are also, I don't know if it's like the Capricorn in me or what, but like, I'm obsessed. I I can't choose. I don't know the mountain or the ocean. I want them all. I want (laughs) to, I want the tropics and the rugged Northwest. I want it all. So that's what Wahai is. It's just like a representation of those two places that I come from, which is why all this came to be and the wild and the mountains and the ocean. Um, My physical store is in Leavenworth, Washington, which is in the Cascade Mountain Range in Washington state not in Kansas where the penitentiary is. <laughs> people are always confused. And I'm like, mm, I haven't been there, but I'm pretty sure this, this is very different. <laughs> um, it's, um, it's an outdoor mecca for mountain sport people. So we have snowboarding and skiing and whitewater rafting and rock climbing and camping. And it's, um, it's a total tourist town. I think there's less than 2000 actual residents, but we have tourists that will jam pack the entire front streets. It's a faux Bavarian village <laughs> with a backdrop of super jagged high mountains. So wow. I guess it could be like the Swiss Alps a little bit. And that is why that all came to theme. Um, but it's a really fun little town and I was lucky to get a spot in it. It's hard to get a spot in it. And so I guess that's another silver lining of COVID is that spots were becoming available Um, I didn't have it on my radar before, so I don't know, I guess there are some, some pros there because now it's, now it exists as a physical shop and I'm able to support other women entrepreneurs through that. Every, everything I offer in my shop is made by another woman. Um, and I, and mostly moms, (laughs) which which is pretty cool too. And that was actually during, um, the start of COVID When a lot of businesses were struggling, I thought in my head, I had, I was only offering the things that I made on my online shop. And I thought in my head, well, I have a voice and I have a platform and I could help other people's businesses survive by maybe taking their products and offering it on my website as well. And so I started to do that. I started to do that locally with just people around town. Um, and then it just grew from there and then the spot became available and I grabbed it. And then I just, and I kept doing that. And so yeah, it's a, it, it's a positive that came out of this last year and a half.
0: That's so awesome. I'd love yeah. that. I, I I would love to come up to Washington and visit your store. That sounds yeah. really, really nice.
1: It's a really cool place. It's a, it's a little funky, but it's really a really cool town in general.
0: <laughs> no, it sounds beautiful. I mean, uh, I'm here in the tropics and the mountains are always fascinating for me. So that's a, uh, right. That's so, 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 so cool. So one thing that I think, I mean, that I sit with as someone who owns a business in the yoga sphere, and perhaps Mm -hmm. you've gone there as well, is uh, this question of constantly thinking about, here is this amazing practice that comes from India Mm -hmm. that I've learned from a lineage, and it's also my livelihood. Whether yeah. you're in the role of teacher or whether you're in the role of having a yoga related business, mm-hmm. um, So then there like I sit with this space of, okay, it's super important to run the business aspects according to yogic values, to run it yes. as ethically as possible. Absolutely. and at the same time to kind of be sensitive about this triangulation of a space that's spiritual, you know. Yes. So, how do you navigate that? Like, what are your what are your goalposts? What are your what are your landmarks uh, to let you know you're on the right track and yeah. to let you know you're off the track?
1: Um, I totally hear you, and I absolutely agree. And I think that giving back is is an essential part of yoga um, of the practice of the lifestyle. And if you've been doing it long enough, you know that it's just like you don't do yoga, yoga is a lifestyle. It's like everything that you do, it's the way that you mom It's the way that you teach It's the way that you run your business. Um, so I think it has a lot to do with giving back. Um, I, even though having the brand and having the business is very time consuming, I think it's really important to remain a teacher. That's where it all comes from. And it's something I love and it's something I want to share and something I want to spread. And I think that whole like spreading thing is a concept that's important to me. I just want to, I want to educate the public on the ethics. I want to share, like sharing is caring. I tell my kids all the time. <laughs> I want them to know, like, get your body care from this person. She's so rad and she does it this way. And, and I think that passing that torch is really important. Um, I was just talking to another female entrepreneur in town. She, she owns a bunch of coffee shops. And I was just talking to her. I was like, I don't feel like I've like made it per se, but I think that at some point we're going to be the female women leaders that should maybe like help the women coming behind us to, um, I don't know, to have it a little bit easier because we're still in this transitional period where we have to fight against major corporations. And we still have to educate consumers, especially when it comes to like sustainability and, and what to trust when it comes to marketing. And then also it's, it's still, it's still mostly a man's world in the business world. And when you're dealing Mm -hmm. with landlords and other business owners and other companies that are run, run by men, it can be really difficult to know how to um, even talk Mm -hmm. sometimes. And it's not everybody, but sometimes I feel myself being like, wait, you can't sit, you have to be polite. You have to be kind instead of being like, you know, like as a business person that's trying to stand your ground and fight for what's right. I think that that's often a conflict. So it's even how to communicate professionally Mm -hmm. and and stand Mm -hmm. up to that kind of men's world and everything. So it's a
0: super, it's a super good point. I mean, I've been in business meetings where, you know, uh, if I voiced a concern about something, then, you know, then a comment was made about my demeanor or, right. oh, why don't you smile more? Like, right. why are you so serious? You know, you're so pretty yeah. when you smile, you know, oh, right. now, oh what, now we're doing business. And I'm like, uh, yes, you know, right. and if you take a look at it, it's a good point to think about that. You know, the, the clothing companies, if we look at the clothing companies, how many clothing companies that exist within the yoga world are women owned? Exactly. How many online platforms that exist within the yoga space are women owned? Like, yes. be, like
1: not a lot. I've yeah, <laughs> I, I've I've looked into it. It's not a lot. But yeah. It's worth looking into and it's worth um. Yeah. It's worth it. It's actually. It, it,
0: because it, majority of women are the practitioners are the consum- of yoga and Yeah, the so
1: consumers
0: and the consumers. It's like mind blowing. We're like, wait a minute. Yeah. So the especially majority,
1: in the U S yeah. yeah.
0: The women are practicing. Women are consuming. Women are yes. the consumers and they're being told a story of who they should be and how they should practice and what and they, how should they, wear should and how they should look <laughs> by men.
1: Absolutely. And
0: uh, uh, where did, you know, like we need to yeah we need a revolution of consciousness. Like let's yeah. all, I hope everybody who's, you know, re, who's listening, uh, just has, if, if you haven't had that aha moment, then great. And, and it's nothing against men. Like men mm-hmm. are awesome. I'm married yeah. to an amazing man. Yeah. It's just this question of, you know, true equality.
1: Right? Absolutely. Yeah. And there's lots of fights to fight, you know, and, um, being a woman and being heard and being considered, uh, a, able to run a business and be business minded has been questioned a lot. Like we're too emotional or, mm-hmm. you know, like whatever the stereotypes are that out, that are out there, but they need to be debunked. They're not, it's not true. Like we're mm-hmm. all ran by multiple hormones and mm-hmm. say a woman isn't, I don't know. It, it's just like, it still runs through our veins and we got to work on that. Mm-hmm. We got on, on those things. Um, I, like I said, I have to work on it too. Like I even find myself being like you're not being, you have to be kind. You need to be more submissive or whatever. And then being like, no, 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 no. That's the problem. (laughs) Um, and, but, but I think that, yeah. So anyways, and the way to give back is I want to be the person that leads the next generation of females into the future. Um, which is like maybe a little bit easier than the path that I took. So, and I want to help women. I want to help them get seen. I want to help them get heard I want them to have a voice. I want them to have a choice. And I and I know that there's a many fights going on. I mean, even with Pride Month, it's like there are many fights going on. Um, and the wild to fight for sustainability isn't for everybody. To fight for women's rights isn't for everybody. Everybody has a different fight. And I support a ton of fights. But the one that I'm, you know, like that I've chose as my mission is to fight for women um, because obviously that hits home because <laughs> mm-hmm. I am one. <laughs> uh, <laughs> And, and children, obviously, you know, and as a mother. um, And then
0: fighting for the environment, I feel, is fighting for the, is for children. Because it's, like, they're the ones who are going to be here when we're not. And how we steward Mm -hmm. this earth will determine what kind of world our children and our children's children will live in. So this is. You know, a, a friend of mine was just talking to me recently about this moment in Al Gore's movie, in- The Inconvenient Truth. And mm-hmm. I, I actually, I read the book and then the movie was later. That, that, that book actually changed my whole thinking on the environment. I read that, you know, when I was very young. It's kind of like right. a nerdy read, but it was really, really mind-blowing. Yeah. Um, and then I think in the movie, uh, there's a point where he holds up the earth mm-hmm. and then he holds up bars of gold. And he's like, this is what we're choosing Moment by moment, you're choosing the earth or you're choosing gold bars. And that's just, you know, that, that, um, that sign that we often see, you know, made into a social media meme that says, you know, only when, you know, the oceans dry up and the air is too thick and there are no more trees, you'll discover that Mm -hmm. you can't eat money.
1: Yes. And I love the, the old native American, well, I don't even think they can pin it down to who said it, but that you don't inherit the earth from your ancestors, you borrow it from your descendants. Oh, I Isn't love that. that. You know, and so it's like, how are you going to leave it for your children? How are you going to leave it for their children, et cetera, mm-hmm. et cetera. That one always, and we can
0: make a difference. You know, we can't like every choice. You know, we 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 can we can choose. I think you know, even if you go to Target, there is a choice. (laughs) You know, like they're there, so we can think like, well, where did that come from? And it's there, it's there. Because well, I remember you know, think about ten years ago, there were you knew your average like non whole foods, non co op grocery store, and there were so few organic food options, right? And then that's really changed. Mm -hmm.
1: You know, I think. or even yeah. ten years ago, there was Lululemon. Yeah, <laughs> you know? and then the, and then the way that that is even developed and grown, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know. So there's choice,
0: and consumers make choice. that. So mm-hmm. you go into the store, and you know, if you you know make it, 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 it buy products that align with, you know, the life values that you want to stand up for, you know, you might think you're just one drop in the ocean, but you don't know if that purchase, you know, when it adds up at the end yeah. of the year, then the company's looking at the, their bottom line, then they realize, yeah. oh, wow, it's actually the small companies. Like, look at that. Like, that company really sold out or, hey, look, the organic uh, bananas sell and the non-organic bananas mm-hmm. don't sell. We better, you know, and that'll ricochet down. then yeah. the farms that aren't are organic, then they're like, we better transition to organic. And yeah. you know, and it's and that's not the only solution, of course. There's so many, so, as yeah. you said, there's so yeah, many fights. you got to take so and choose your battles. Mm-hmm. and choose your
1: battles. And I think another thing this year has really, not that we didn't know it, but like our vote is super important. Every yes. single vote is so important. And your dollar is a vote. Yeah, and, we, and, you know, even again, as women, we fought to, for that right to vote. Mm-hmm. And I think it's really important to know. And the, the
0: right to have money. Because, yes. you know, our, our, pa- our, mm-hmm. pa- our mom's generation, you know, my yes. mom's generation, she, my, my mom, she couldn't get a credit card in yeah. her own name. She couldn't have exactly. a bank account in her own name. Yeah. So think about that. So the, mm-hmm. the, the right to vote with your dollars.
1: Yes, absolutely.
0: Our, our, you know, our, our ancestors fought for that.
1: Yeah. And that dollar is, is you earned it. Like think about Mm -hmm. the time that you took Mm -hmm. and the work that you did and everything has value and your energy and your time and your time away from your home or your kids, or like just doing a job that maybe is mundane even, or it's like very hard work. Yeah. So take that dollar and use it wisely.
0: (laughs) Yeah. You work hard.
1: Mm Mm-hmm.
0: Absolutely. I think that's a great, uh, note to kind of maybe end our discussion on. I just would love to, uh, for you to let people know, uh, what's upcoming on the horizon and where can they, uh, well, first of all, you know, let everyone know your website so they can check out the amazing clothes that you design and where they can practice with you and any, any fun workshops that are coming up.
1: Okay. So Wahai Yoga, super simple. Wahai, Washington, Hawaii, W-A-H-I yoga.com for the website and all the things around there. Um, well, starting for the entire month of July, we'll be hosting with you and Marie the handstand uh, challenge, which Yay! I think is pretty cool because um, I was happy to jump on board with that because I love handstands, clearly obsessed. And um, you don't see month-long dedicated challenges. like They're like, you know, people are trying to get more into less time. Yeah. And so I think for, and this is one thing that I've taught in many of my workshops is that it's not going to be like, you're not going to learn to handstand today. You're not going to mm-hmm. learn to handstand in two hours two hours. You have to, if you're willing to show up, put in the time, if you're willing to like commit to this 31 day challenge or whatever, then you'll probably end up handstanding because all that it is, is showing up, showing up over Mm -hmm. and over and over again, putting in the time. This isn't instant gratification. You won't, it's not going to be like that. There's no trick, you know, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. it takes perseverance and consistency and just determination. So, um, I'm excited to get on, to do that challenge with you and Marie and, um, give people 30, 31 days to really like dive in and conquer and, and kind of dissect and, and play around with that. I think it's actually like an appropriate, um, thing to give people. It's a realistic, um, goal to have like 31 days. And then maybe you'll see some improvement after that. We'll see. (laughs) Little improvement. Yeah. (laughs) Um, and then to pair, if you really wanted to dive, if that's on your bucket list and you really wanted to dive into that, that handstand endeavor, pair it with, I'll be doing the workshop on Ohm Stars um, at the end of July. So it would pair pretty perfectly. You put in 25 days and then uh-huh. take an online workshop. And yeah, I, am, I would love to have everybody show up. I'm, I'm very passionate about that as well. <laughs> Don't get me going. (laughs) Yeah. I think it's just, if that is on a bucket list, um, then this is a great way to go to get after it. 31 days. Um, Stars sends out an email every day day. with the pose and information. And that's, I mean, I know how much effort that takes to put together too. So this is just a great opportunity. I think if people really have that as a goal, um, and then, yeah, join me for the workshop at the end of the month, we'll just seal the deal get everybody upside down, flip perspectives. <laughs> <So fun. laughs> it's awesome. I'm
0: really looking forward to the challenge too. And I hope everybody listening takes the plunge and jumps on. And especially if you think handstands are not for you, then do this challenge mm-hmm. and sign up for the workshops and really just dive into it. So awesome. Yeah.
1: Handstands are for everybody that ha- that is willing to commit.
0: I love that. Yep. Yeah. Very true. So, uh, thanks so much, Holly. I really appreciate it. This has been really Uh,
1: awesome. Such an honor. I really, I appreciate it too. Thank you so much. Hey there,
0: it's Kino here. I just wanted to thank you for tuning in to my podcast. Your support and your time and your attention really mean a lot to me. If you're enjoying this podcast series, you can find the full-length videos on my online channel, OMSTARS, and that's at www.omstars.com. You can redeem a 14-day free trial and get access to our full library of over 3,000 classes and also practice yoga with me online. I'd also love to see you in class sometime.